Boy, hello and welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting on Big Tucker Network on Saga 960 AM. We're all across North America, feeling pretty good today. It's a nice new uh, new week here, end of July, feeling nice. It's a bit swampy, and I'm in a new locale coming in from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, in my own little studio here, uh, <laughs> right beside where I... Uh, Grew up as a child, so uh, that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. David, how goes you? Oh, just uh, experiencing the heat wave. Um, really hot in southern Ontario. It's getting up to, for our American listeners, the, the feels-like temperature was about 102, 105 in freedom degrees, um, low 40s in Celsius, the proper measurement for temperature. Um, yeah, but other than that, life is good. You know, life is good. How's it feel to be, uh, back in North Carolina? Yeah, back in the U.S. It's been a while. I haven't been here since, I believe, December, and that was just a quick Mm -hmm. uh, little wedding trip. But, uh, overall, it's great. You know, first thing you got to do, if you're a a loyal uh, consumer choice advocate, is you head on down to the grocery store and you check out all the cool stuff. So yes. that's exactly what yeah. I did. Checked out the uh, alcohol nice. aisle, checked out all the different things you could buy and all the different colors. And there are 87 different types of Pop-Tarts, Ooh. which are yes. pretty cool. <laughs> well, don't tell Bernie Sanders, though. He'll be pissed. You know, we got too you many know, Pop-Tarts. You know, it makes too no many sense. Types of deodorant. Too many types of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> we don't need to have all those. You know, you get cinnamon roll, cinnamon toast crunch. Uh, and blueberry on Wednesdays. Blueberry, if you're feeling a little special. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically, that's uh, one, one good thing I had fun with, going to the store and obviously seeing family is great. And uh, what a time to be here in inflation. You know, I haven't had to um, buy too many things other than the grocery store, which obviously was expensive. But uh, what a different environment this time. And, uh, yeah, swampiness as well, pretty hot. But mm-hmm. overall, man, it's a, it's a good time to be here. Look, it's... Um, it's an interesting time for uh, individual freedom, and uh, particularly when we're talking about our institutions. And you know, there, I don't believe in these uh, cycles theories. Have you ever heard of these? No, so no, that, no. Well, maybe I have, but it doesn't ring so a bell. So the, these cycle theories are always like, oh, you know, 80 years after World War II, you had, you know, Vietnam, you had this, and there's all these kind of like the, uh, these different cycles that come up in history. You know, there's 80 okay. years between Revolutionary War, Civil War, all this, all the different kind of things. And, you know, I don't know if there's a, one of these that's happening right now, but we're in this strange position where at least in the liberal democracies of the former Anglo Empire, there's a lot of changes in leadership and a different leadership contests that are happening. And I know you'll be speaking with our, our colleague uh, Elizabeth Hicks later about some of that in the U.S., uh, but we've got a lot of stuff moving and shaking um, in the United Kingdom, in Canada, um, you know, Australia just had its own little leadership election. Um, not everybody follows this stuff intensely, but it's incredibly important. And considering that we are facing unprecedented times, we've got Ukraine, uh, we've got inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think with focus on Ukraine, especially the UK has been an integral party, a part of it, and they've um, they've said goodbye to to dear uh, Bojo. He's uh, he's out the door. Yeah. I mean, still technically leading until the uh, the election yeah. there. But uh, I do love how Boris Johnson has decided to go out. There was a a, a clip of him. He was uh, like a co-pilot of one of the fighter jets, 
and they let him take control of the fighter jet, and it's just him at like twenty thousand feet with a big thumbs up. Good lord! <laughs> He's like, okay, how do I max out on my uh, my executive benefits before uh, before I head back to the back mansion? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I want to fly a jet. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you would have had that in the in the U.S. because had Trump been up in the plane, there would have been you know all the Democrat generals scrambling to find the anti aircraft weapons or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Uh, but good on good yeah. on Boris, yeah. Like, like Boris, a lot. I mean, it's like it's interesting. We're not, we were not Brits, um, David. You're more you're no. more connected, at least, to the British Isles than I am, um, having family and the rest. But you know, knowing that there is a change in leadership is a big deal. And how all mm-hmm. this works, um, I guess it's it's a bit simpler than the Canadian system because he is the current prime minister and the head of the Conservative Party. He's essentially resigned as head of the party. Mm-hmm and has vowed to step aside when the party selects the new leader. And there's all these yep. kind of different ballots, and essentially it's the MPs, the members of parliament, that will vote in mm-hmm. these kind of confidence whip votes to figure out who the next uh, PM will be. Yes, and uh, it's, it was a... I mean, it's, it's, there are pros and cons to this process, um, but essentially the members of parliament jockey and figure out who they want their final two candidates go- are and then it goes to membership to vote um between one or the other and now we're we're down to two um we are down to rishi sunak and liz truss um sunak is kind of like a very wealthy uh finance guy who's in politics who has a considerable amount of wealth i don't know if he's a billionaire but he's probably close um, against Liz Truss, who is the foreign secretary or the foreign minister or um, the. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. What's the, what's the title in the U.S.? Uh, secretary of state. Se- that's it. Secretary of state. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, they're both very like. Uh, Truss was a remainer. Sunak was a Brexiter. Um, but for reasons I can't necessarily figure out at this point, Truss is loved by the Brexiters, um, and Sunak is loved by the Remainers. It's like a weird flip. But I can say, I mean, at least on a surface level, I think Liz Truss would be um, would be a pretty good um, prime minister. I mean, she's uh, I, I, she seems to get it. Um, where the criticism on, on Sunak is he's not as uh, ideologically grounded in terms of where he stands on things, where um, I get I get like Thatcher vibes a little bit from, from trusts in a good way. Um, so we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. For Americans, it must be completely strange to like, wait, we will have a new prime minister without voting for the prime minister? It's like, yes, that is how it works. In, in parliamentary systems, um, in between elections, if somebody resigns, it has happened in Canada. Yeah, when was the last um, time that happened, though? That's probably oh, Matt Payne. Was that Liberal Party? No. Uh, no, because they lost. No, Martin. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I mean, the most famous one is Mulroney resigning. Mm-hmm. Kim Campbell became prime minister, and then the conservatives got wiped out. But it's funny because yeah. uh, she's not even like considered a real prime minister in that sense because they always use this thing of like there's never been a female prime minister 
they're like, well, there's never been an elected female prime minister. It's like, yes, correct. Okay, so yes. we're going to play the semantics yeah. game here. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, th- yeah. so that's of course interesting. I mean, I really hope that regardless of the two candidates, that they continue Johnson's legacy in regards to dealing with Ukraine, dealing with Russia and Ukraine, because he's he was he's been particularly good. I mean, you the when it was announced that he was resigning, a bunch of very large Ukrainian brands all rebranded with the Boris Johnson hair somehow incorporated into their logo, which was like a way of like showing how much they appreciate what Johnson has done um, in terms of helping the Ukrainians fend off the Russians. And so I hope whomever the the new prime minister is, um, carries on that legacy that would be uh, a big big plus yeah so we like trust anti-nanny state is kind of her mantra mm-hmm. she's been against uh, mm-hmm. neo-puritanism to go with uh, the theme from last week's interview with noah rothman and generally has performed really well i think the main reason why you have such a, a kind of difference in sunak and trust is sunak was was the chancellor of the exchequer so he's like the uh, <laughs> minister of finance or whatever and he raised taxes and um, mm-hmm. was generally pretty strict on um, COVID times. I mean, it's strange how they're, we're reworking the narrative as to lockdowns and shutdowns and how that all worked. You know, we all kind of have strange Mandela effect of, you know, be, being yeah. retold kind of what happened. So he raised taxes, a very punitive, um, generally seemed as much more of an elitist. However, I did see a, an interesting tweet. It's like, okay, so um, the next PM is either going to be a, PP&E graduate from Oxford or a PP&E graduate from Merlin College. So it's like yeah. like it's the same schools, same program, and the same circle. Same circle. Sunak's interesting, though, obviously, um, Indian background. And, um, you know, it's, it's a different type of leadership contest, you know, this time. Well, I mean, and the field was so incredibly diverse. Uh, but the, one thing like, I one thing I love, and uh, I love to see this. And if if you've watched the original British House of Cards, you've seen it a lot more. But they actually do need to do some real whipping, like between the different MPs mm-hmm. and like the jockeying, yep. like you mentioned. Because there's like, okay, I'll give you my votes, and this person we're we're going for his votes. There's all this stuff that's happening internally, and it's it just be so fascinating to watch that in real time. Uh, but as far as I understand, Sunak is kind of the establishment candidate. You know, that's who the establishment kind of is favoring. Truss, you know, she's kind of more in our camp, you know, comes more from from uh, the Lib Dem yeah. background a bit. And why she was so interesting is like... The old the old Lib Dem. The old Lib Dem. Why, why, the old why Lib it's Dem, so interesting... Where there were room for folks like us. Well, for you. <laughs> I'm Green Party, don't you know? Uh, what's so interesting is you had Brexit, and, you know, she was not a Brexiteer, as you mentioned, but, you know... She took up the mantle and went around the world and signed a bunch of trade deals mm-hmm. and did that effectively and, and did it, you know, with her own agenda, prowess, like just doing a great job. Whereas, you know, Sunak had to actually run the government and raise taxes and all these t- kind of things that made him pretty unpopular with the, you know, conservative activists. But yeah, just a, another change in the UK. And um, David, I know you're keeping an eye on what's happened in your backyard uh, a new anointing of a leader for the Conservative Party in Canada, too. 
Yeah, yeah, there's going to be another leadership debate, which is interesting because my understanding was that the Polyev camp did not want another debate, which I can somewhat understand because I think this race is for the most part over. Um, with Patrick Brown dropping out, uh, I think it's pretty much over and, and Polyev is going to win. And so having another debate is just an opportunity to maybe make a mistake. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's over. Um I'm ready to call it. I think Polyev is, has won. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't see a scenario where he loses. To be honest with you, um, and so yeah, that I mean, what that means for the Conservative Party moving forward depends on when the next next election is, because it's supposed to be after the NDP Liberal Agreement expires in 2025, but. If you follow Justin Trudeau on on Twitter, his behavior, his his photo ops and announcements, feels more like campaign um, behavior, um, like he's gearing up for a, a general election in the near term. Possibly, the idea is to catch the conservatives flat-footed with a brand new leader and then force them to get their house in order very quickly. Um, hmm. Not with that. Ha- not I don't with think that. that haircut. That's a winning strat. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it, well, I mean, I don't really care how his hair looks, but it, some of the comparisons to like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber were quite hilarious. Yeah, and I was uh, so I was yeah, having to explain pretty, to my to my dad last night because you know my dad doesn't really follow Canadian politics much. He's obviously Canadian, grew mm-hmm. up there most of his life. Didn't really follow it, you know. He was tuning cars, not paying attention, and he was just asking me, "He's like, yeah, he was busy. Why is it that we're in a global energy crisis? We've got all this stuff, and Canada still has not made use of their great resources to export around the world and boost the economy? Because you know he's got saving accounts in Canada. He's seeing the, he's seeing the difference between the Canadian dollar and yeah. the U.S. dollar. He's like, what the hell is going on there? And how has no one questioned Trudeau on the in an effective manner? Thirty seconds, David. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the conservatives, have, yeah, the conservatives spent too much time over the years beating each other up with three leadership races now in a very short time span. So that's probably part of the problem. But um, well, well, that'll have to be another conversation for another day. Our next segment, which is a long one, is. Uh, our colleague Liz and I breaking down what it what could be a potential 2024 matchup for president, and we run through the the recent push to have Joe Biden not run again. And so, lots of interesting uh, bits of information uh, in that one. So, stay tuned for that. Um, that will be right after the break. And we're back on Consumer Choice Radio. I'm joined by my colleague, Elizabeth Hicks. And we are going to talk about all things presidential politics. Uh, Liz, thank you for uh, chatting with me about this very exciting and what will probably be hilarious uh, topic. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me on today. I'm looking forward to this very lively conversation we're about to have. So there is a uh, there is a push um, amongst many who we would call democratic strategists um, to convince Joe Biden not to run again in the next uh, election. My my first take on this is that that is probably um, a good idea. 
Um, not because I don't think Joe Biden's a good guy. Um, not because I don't uh, commend him for, for beating Trump. Um, but uh, it is getting to the point where um, there are some serious questions about his age. Um, the gaffes kind of are lining up. And I don't think that ne necessarily means he's unfit to do the job, but it certainly does make it easy for Republicans to say he's unfit to do the job. Uh, what's your take on this as our uh, our resident Michigander? Um, it is interesting. You know, I um, was shocked to hear that they were going to not potentially run him again. I, I was shocked that they were going to run him the first time in, in 2020. So I was shocked to hear that they weren't going to just try that again, especially considering a few of the things that I read said that he was the best chance to potentially beat Trump. I don't know if I agree with that personally, but that's what, you know, some of these strategists are saying. Um, some numbers came out recently um, that is 26% of Democrats said that they would prefer um, Biden to be their candidate and 64% want somebody else. So those are pretty mm -hmm strong numbers right there. And my hot take on it is it's coming down to inflation. Inflation is affecting everybody across the aisle. It is the highest we've seen in a really long time. Um, and I think people are finally really upset with it. Um, a few of the things that I saw, I think you mentioned, they quoted age being one of mm -hmm. the big concerns. Um, and the second part is job performance. And I think that really comes down to a lot of these big issues that we thought Biden was going to take on and potentially resolve or improve. And that just has not happened. And it seems that the state of affairs here in the United States is really declining since since he was elected and, and haven't really improved that much, unfortunately. So yeah, I am eager to see who's going to who's going to run. There's a there's a very unique um, aspect to American political culture there. And it goes back to the Obama era where people would compare well the price of gas under bush was x and now the price of gas and it's like yes the president has some sway on that but there's a lot more nuance but re again regardless of whatever the facts are it's about perception people are irritated cost of living is going up um and ultimately they look to the top uh for change so if the dems were to pick a different candidate um who do we think are the front runners i mean i can think of a few who would probably run in a primary, um, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren. Um, those are the two that stick out to me. I think maybe Bernie again, but I don't really think that there's a path for him. If we're citing age as a concern, I don't think Bernie is in a much better position than Biden would be personally. So yes. I don't know and if he's quite contender and i think a, a bernie nomination would be a little tone deaf on the part of the dnc because i think a lot of the irritation with the democrats now is the perception that we didn't get the old joe biden we got this weird new mix of like old uh, uh, i meant old joe biden not in age but like the 90s scrappy like middle of the road joe biden we have a more progressive uh big spending um, Joe Biden. And so I'm not sure Bernie is the, the antidote to, to those problems, but what do you, what's your, t I mean, I think I know your take on Elizabeth Warren. Um, not, I, I mean, not a great candidate. Um, in my view, I'm not sure if you share, share the same view. 
Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Elizabeth Warren. Um, I have a lot of issues with her. Uh, I mean, where to begin is even a challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially recently, she's been really bad on crypto, which I really hate. She's bad on student loan forgiveness in the sense that she wants to forgive it all, which is terrible. She just has a bad track record. And to me, she's really similar to Bernie, but almost a little worse. So um, I'm not I'm not a fan of Elizabeth Warren, personally. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't there think are a few that works. There are a few that I've seen come up candidate-wise who okay. you know, people are talking about. Um, one is Stacey Abrams. I think she could be interesting. I'm not one that I would you know, be super jazzed about personally, but she has had a lot of buzz around her recently. So that could be in her favor. Um, another one that came up on the Dem side would be Gavin Newsom. Oh, God, no. I know. It's like, wasn't he recalled? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he should he should learn Scott Walker's lesson. If you, um, even if you win a recall in your own state as governor, it's probably best not to try and then run for president. It's, it just feels like when Bill de Blasio said he was going to run for president, it was like, yo, everybody hates you in New York. Like, don't don't do that. Um, especially in California, it's such a big voting block. I mean, it just seems like a terrible idea to put him up, but hey, I mean, <laughs> we'll teach yeah. the run, I guess. Another one that's interesting is a governor, the governor of my state um, in Michigan, which is Gretchen Whitmer. Um, I'm not a fan of hers personally either, um, but she also has gotten quite a bit of buzz around her, mostly mm-hmm. during COVID and her response to COVID. Um, I don't think she really has a big shot for this race she maybe I don't could pull think a so. slot, but i don't well, think i kind of I, maybe my assessment here is off with whitmer i and i mean this both as a criticism of her and a compliment i kind of get democratic sarah palin vibes from her <laughs> yeah, i love that that's the most perfect right but there were a lot of reasons why middle-class americans liked sarah palin because she she didn't come off as preachy. She kind of resonated with ordinary people. She at least gave lip service to like the issues that Americans were facing. She made a lot of gaffes and people questioned her intelligence and all of that jazz, which is that was the that was that and I think people still do. But I I kind of get that same feeling with Whitmer she's just on the other side of the aisle yes I think that's a very fair assessment of Whitmer I think she has some things going for her but I mean from my perspective not a lot that I truly love but I think yeah she is really the Democrat Sarah Palin which is great I love that um, you- from the Dem side I mean what about Kamala do you think no. there's a chance that she because it sounds like she also is not polling particularly well with Democrats or really all voters, but especially Democrats at this point, which is who she would need to. No. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I think the more exposure she's gotten, the more unlikable she's become and all of these, like she seems incredibly incapable to speak off the cuff where when pressed, she did like, so there's been some clips that are flying around and everything just seems like a word salad. And she'd be like, you know, in our national defense, we really have to prioritize our defense because when we're talking about national defense and it's like, wait a second, was this speech written for Joe Biden? What's going on here? Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that, that she would really have a path. I think Mayor Pete, mostly because he pre- uh, Biden administration, his background is a little more realist on the Democratic side. He's certainly not like a progressive squad member. Um, 
he knows how to like combat uh, arguments properly. Like he's a, he's a much better um, debater and speaker in regards to hard issues. I could see him um, getting a serious look. I think he won Iowa last time, if I remember correctly. Your home, your your state of birth. Um, so I I think that he he could make a push here. Um, but I'm not, I, again, I don't know, like, is it something where they dip into the governor pool of the governors who are out there, or is it something where someone within the administration makes a run? I'm not really sure. Um, who would you want to see as the Democratic? Speaking of governors, I think Jared Polis could be. Ah, uh, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> a good option. Yeah. Cause I think he, um, I think he is a bit more on the moderate side. He has a lot of things going for him. And I, I think he could have some pretty good potential here. I don't know if he has any desire, though. I don't know if you've heard any any rumblings from his side. Um, but I'd be curious I to hear from Jared Bullis. Uh, yeah, I think that it, I think the best chance to beat the Republicans um, would be Jared Polis for a few reasons. He is a alter- He's a reasonable alternative to whomever the Republicans put up. Um, he's hilariously consistent on calling out big government Republicans, calling DeSantis a socialist, uh, for all of his intrusions into the market and interfering with private business. Um, he was the only, I think he's the only Democratic member of Congress ever to be in the Liberty Con- the Liberty Caucus with folks like Justin Amash. Um, so I, I, he has good instincts i think i mean he appeals to my own personal politics but i think that he represents like a a a more fiscally minded democratic party but one that would also be socially progressive on things like lifestyle issues um so i could see him being a a good option for the democrats um but then again does he want to do it? I don't know. Um, that's the big question. Does he want to go up against whoever the Republicans pick? I hope it's not Trump. Um, but let's say it's like, it might be though. I don't know. I mean, do you have thoughts on the Republican side? Oh, i it can't be true. I think Trump loses again. Um, I think Trump loses again. Um, if it's DeSantis, with very few exceptions, I think DeSantis wins, despite his flaws. the 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 political climate right now is just ripe for someone who can throw red meat to the Trump base, but also is better on his feet and and not as erratic um, as Trump, and is a lot more coherent. The way I describe DeSantis is if you if you took some of Trump's showmanship. Um, and put it in the body of someone with an Ivy League law degree. That's Ron, that's Ron DeSantis. Uh, whether you like him or not, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. He's he's much better, and he's he's particularly good at flipping the script and pointing out hypocrisy. I mean, Disney was the big one uh, in the fight with Disney, and I, I thought the whole fight with Disney was like the culture war nonsense. But he was able to control the narrative because he flipped the script and said, I'm not going to take a lecture from a company that does business with the Communist Party of China 
whom we know are interning Uyghurs en masse. Um, I don't think he used the word genocide, but he implied it. And immediately, like, even if you disagree with what he's doing with Disney, you're like, well, he's got a point there. Um, yeah, I think he has some potential. Um, yeah, assuming Trump doesn't doesn't run, although I really think he might personally. I mean, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Um, <laughs> but I think DeSantis definitely has a shot if Trump doesn't run. A few other names that I saw come up, um, Nikki Haley, who I think yeah. has some potential. I think she's pretty level-headed and um, you know, I think she could be a good option for the Republicans. I don't know if she has enough of a poll, though, to be able to seal it. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of it, too, is going to depend on who the Dems put up. And then that's yeah. really going to determine as well who's going to be most viable. I think pre-Trump, Nikki Haley would have been a very great choice before all the craziness. But the problem is, is she kind of fell into, she was kind of a never-Trumper, and then she really was a Trumper, and now she kind of regurgitate some of those old arguments uh, that are like the old Trump stuff, which I think is bogus. But um, yeah, she would be a decent one. The Republican field just feels like everyone is like not saying anything until they get the nod from Donald that they can go. Um, which okay. is, I mean, he's probably not going to wait for a no. nod from Donald. <laughs> Do you think he no. has any chance of running? Zero, zero chance. I mean, the Trump crowd hates him. Um the moderates personally, but I can appreciate why the Trump crowd would, would not support him. Yeah. I mean, it's just, how do you, how do you remove the baggage of holding Donald Trump's coat throughout all the, the chaos of his presidency? It's like, I don't know how you shake that. Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't think he would do it. I don't think he would do it, but, um, Another name that came up that might be similar to Pence is Liz Cheney, which ooh, ooh, we're gonna we're gonna have to, we'll get back to that. We're gonna break for commercial here, and then let's talk. Let's break down Liz Cheney. This is a very good one. We'll be right back on Consumer Choice Radio. And we're back on Consumer Choice Radio right before the break. Uh, my colleague brought up Liz Cheney, um, another Liz uh, in the mix. Um, I have strong pit. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cheney has obviously been good on all of the um, January 6th stuff. She, she doesn't cave to all this Russian nonsense that some of the Republicans are pumping out. Um, like she's been very solid on a lot of that stuff and she gets a lot of media coverage for it. But I think people have like collective amnesia that she's like genuinely not a good person. Um, I mean, anyone who's like going back to like throwing her sister under the bus over same sex marriage and, um, sharing a lot of the views of her father in regards to foreign policy, outside of Ukraine. Um, she's like, I mean, she's not good. I mean, it, it feels very much like a return to the Bush era, um, which I don't know if there's an appetite for. I think there's a, an appetite for somewhere in between Bush and Trump <laughs> because there's a lot of road in between there. And she's certainly more the Bush era Republican, which really morphed into 
monstrosity in terms of wars around the world and all that jazz. But um, I don't know. Do you feel the same way or am I off base here? No, I, I feel the same way. And I think one thing that she has going for her potentially is her ability to, um, you know, get the swing voters and get undecided voters. So I do think she comes off. She can play, I think, both sides pretty well. I think Dems or more moderate Dems could be attracted to her on, you know, for a presidential ticket potentially because she, you know, has been good on the um, like January 6th stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, all of the kind of red meat things that are happening right now. Um, but she also, I think, is good for some Republicans as well, especially, but I think too, the other thing going against her is she's had a rough time in the media. I think there's been a lot of attacks on her in the media that I think speak to your point where it seems like, you know, some people might think she's just not a great person just because of the narratives that have been told. But I think politically she is, a potentially viable option. I just don't know if her if her name is going to carry the kind of the right sentiments or connotations. I don't know. And I think the other thing yeah. that could be really against her is that I mean she comes from a political family. Obviously her father was vice president at one point. Is that a legacy that people can, you know, kind of leave behind or are they going to loop her into that potentially as well? And would that be good or bad? Yeah. Can she shake her father's legacy? Is I think the big question of whether or not she's a viable candidate. Because it wouldn't be hard for the Dems to turn her father's legacy into a campaign issue, and that's the boogeyman, and it's and then how you, that's an uphill climb, um, especially if the Democratic candidate is more moderate and less progressive. Then then I think the the that's a an easy um, an easier fight because they'll spend less time debating over. The Green New Deal and some of the fiscal insanity that the progressive side of the Democratic Party puts up. Um, is there anyone else on the Republican side who we could see making a run at this? I mean, maybe Rand Paul again? Oh, yeah. I don't know, actually. I really wanted him to run in 2020 just because his tagline would have been perfect. I mean, he's an optometrist. So, you know, 2020, a clear vision for America. What a better <laughs> tagline could there have been? I would have voted for him just for that. But um, I don't know if he would run in 2024. He, I don't, to me, he doesn't seem like he's that excited about even the idea of being president, whether he's viable or not. So that's kind of a tough sell. If you're not into it, then how do you, you know, commit all this time and energy and financial resources to even try to make it happen? He, he would he, be a great option, but I just he, don't know if he would want it. Yeah, but he all, he has one problem that he is not going to be able to overcome. I don't know if you know what it is. What he's, is that? He's too short. Oh, my God. <laughs> And it's a weird, it's a weird political fact um, that the president of the United States, at least in the uh, the modern era, is always a male who is particularly tall. How tall uh, is Biden? He doesn't strike me as a very tall guy. Uh, he's pretty. I'm gonna have to look this up. Uh, how tall is Joe Biden? I, he's certainly over. Strikes me as just a little guy. I don't know why. Well, I think that's just maybe his age. Uh, so, what is one point eight two meters? <laughs> oh, I forget. You're on the metric system. Yeah, well, that's what my Google pulled up. <laughs> he's almost. He's under six feet. He's five eleven. Yeah, so that's tall enough. That is tall enough. Um, I think Rand Paul is pretty short. He's. Let me see. 
He's five eight. He's three yeah. inches shorter than Micah. Yeah. I, there's a funny story. Not that this matters. Of course, it should not matter. I mean, who cares how tall the president is? Um, but there is a funny story of when Rand ran last time, a donor saying to him, you know what? I really love your politics, but you're just too short. <laughs> oh, poor Rand. Like, oh, poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. Uh, Marco Rubio is only 5'9", interestingly. He's only an inch taller. He strikes yeah. me as a taller guy, but he's pretty I, short I, too, I guess. I don't think Robo Rubio has a shot. Um, no. Another his... name that I want to get your opinion on too that came up is Ted Cruz. I mean, he's just like the one that won't, you know, give up uh, on potentially running. I, I, I don't. I think his political stock has been hurt. I mean, he was like raked over the coals by Trump, um, and then he kind of just like lined up to kiss the ring after. And I mean, you'd see it on Twitter. He would say something positive about Trump and people would be like, yo, dude, he literally called your wife ugly to your face. <laughs> like, how are you like, how have you made up with this guy? Um, and then there's the January 6th stuff and him like dipping his toes in there. So I don't think it's, it, again, it's hard. It's like, how do you shake the bag? We talked about Liz Cheney and her father's legacy. Who who puts their name on the ticket who doesn't have Trump baggage right now? I think the only person who doesn't have legit Trump baggage is probably DeSantis because he wasn't in he never he didn't run in that primary where he got looped into it. He wasn't in Congress or the Senate where he had to, like, support Trump's policies and say nice things so that he could get special treatment. Um I'm hard pressed to see anybody else who doesn't have Trump administration baggage that would like weigh them down. Yeah. That's why I think this could be a governor's race for president. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I just think, cause you know, there's so much baggage in Congress with this and it's, it's going to be hard. I think for voters to see past some of it, especially if they have their own kind of filters on through their own, you know, ideologies. Um, yep. But I really do think that we do have some strong contenders governor wise that could step up. I think they have a lot of less baggage. I think, I think there could be some good options outside of Trump. I think with Ted though, I think not only does he have Trump baggage, but he has a lot of just PR baggage from the last couple of years. Like thinking well, about leaving like, during the storm, to, uh, like Cancun when yeah. frozen over, that was a bad look. But also, no. I mean, to be fair, he had some good moments too. I mean, he's been one of the better ones on, on crypto policy. Um, and he's been good on a few other issues too, but you know, it's just such a mixed bag with, with some of these guys. It's, it's going to be hard to, uh, to look into the crystal ball and predict who's going to pull ahead with this. Can you imagine though, a Jared Polis, Ron DeSantis, you have a, um, a, a, a married gay governor of Colorado, libertarian leaning Democrat against a more populist, um, Trump style, but far more uh, well spoken and put together, uh, Governor of Florida and Ron DeSantis. I think that that would be an incredibly entertaining presidential um, battle between the two. Uh, I would love to see it. I, I mean, for me, I think the choice between those two would be pretty simple. Based on my own preferences, it would be um, Jared Polis. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, I assume you'd probably find that pretty entertaining too. 
I absolutely would. I think that would break a lot of boomer brains though. I don't know what they would do with it. I think they would be almost being confused by that ticket. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think that could be a really fun and I think it could be a really viable ticket too, just because it covers a large swath of of voters, in my opinion. Like there's kind yes. of something for everybody with these two. And neither of them have a ton of like baggage or issues, I would say. Maybe the one thing with DeSantis I could see is, I mean, there he did get flack on COVID stuff from the far left, obviously, but I don't think that's his yeah. demographic that he's pulling anyways. And I don't think that's going to be a 20, yeah, I don't think that's going to be a 2024 like I, I don't. Whoever the Democrat is, I really don't think they're gonna. If they're up against DeSantis, they're gonna be like, "Oh, he ran his state poorly during COVID, and he didn't follow the public health rules." Because like, Americans are pretty much over it. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know, I, I totally agree. I think really the big thing this go around, and I would love to hear your opinion or perspective on this. But I think the big talking point that Americans are really looking at is the economy yeah. and what is going to happen with the economy. I think again, everybody across the political spectrum is feeling the repercussions of the economy with inflation and everything else. And we are, I mean, that's hitting everything, right? It's hitting, I mean, with high um, inflation, it's affecting obviously gas prices, it's affecting food prices, it's affecting housing prices, it's affecting everything. And so, you know, every American is feeling the repercussions of this. So I think this is the one thing that most voters are going to be looking at in this election. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, I think that like a Jared Polis running on a, a Bill Clinton-esque um, campaign of it's the economy stupid um, would be received very well, especially by swing voters, especially by people who were maybe on. So let's say they voted for Trump against Hillary because they just couldn't stomach Hillary like they've, I mean, there, there are a lot of people who fall into this camp. They voted for Obama twice, they voted for Trump, and then they voted for Biden to to avoid another Trump uh, four years. Um, I think Polis reels keeps those voters um, against the DeSantis, um, and Elizabeth Warren certainly doesn't. Um, Stacey Abrams, I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about her. Also because she doesn't, she's certainly popular and she's done a lot of great things in terms of voting rights and access in those campaigns. Um, but she's still relatively new-ish in actual um, politics and, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I mean, a Jared Polis on an It's the Economy Stupid Bill Clinton-esque campaign, I think would be... Um, not only what the country needs, <laughs> but it would, it would, it would, uh, it would be a refreshing uh, pivot away from some of the insanity we've seen both left and right. Absolutely. Well, um, I'm trying to think if there are any other wild cards. We have got about two minutes here before we cut back to break. Any other wild? I mean, is there anyone completely from outside politics we could see taking a stab at this, like a? I mean, okay, so there are a few celebrities that I've yeah. heard whispers from, which I always have mixed feelings on. Um, one is Matthew McConaughey, which <sighs> hey, I'm here for that person. All right, all right, all right. Cool, what a cool vibe for America that I can totally get behind. America is just a four-year Buick ad. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. He was one of them. Um, have you, I, there were a few others that now are escaping me. Are there, have you heard of any other celebrities potentially? Oh, people always throw around Mark Cuban or, um, I'm trying to think who else is in the mix there that they, they, they talk about. I mean, someone has always said, Oh, what about Oprah? <laughs> I mean, we, the U S has tried to like, Oh, let's hear it. The Rock, yeah. Apparently, he filed his paperwork years ago. Yeah, that was the rumor. I don't. I have never checked that out. Um, again, I don't know. I don't know if another celebrity. No, no. He's post post Kim Kardashian. I think his his political stock is done. Um, he's uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah, Rock I, is interesting I, to me, though, because The Rock is, I mean, he's such a likable guy. I, at least I think he is. And I don't know his politics at all, though, is my, I don't think yeah, anyone does. Mean, so that's a really big wild card, but he's very likable. I could see him potentially being more moderate, though, um, in which case, I don't know, could be interesting. But I, I, just, I just picture him doing like a national workout program to get kids healthy. And it's just like, work out with The Rock. It's just him doing chin-ups for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I mean, this has been fantastic. A lot to uh, a lot to unpack. We'll have to revisit this um, as these as the rumor mill continues to swirl. Uh, we'll have to do an update, and then come 2024, we'll have to see if any of our predictions have uh, come true. So thank you again for joining us on CCR, and uh, we will have you back on the program soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys.